Hey everyone, you're listening to Lifted on Air, a podcast brought to you by Lifted, a magazine dedicated to elevating Asian hip hop. My name is Cheryl, and I'll be your host today. And our guest is Bohan Phoenix from the very first cover of Lifted. Bohan Phoenix is a Chinese American rapper who was born in Hubei, China, who then moved to New York at age 11. He learned English essentially through hip hop and cites Eminem as one of his earliest influences on his desire to make music. Now, hip hop boom in China really because of the rap of China, a rap reality slash competition show that first aired in 2017. It was the same year that Bohan relocated from Brooklyn to Chengdu, where his extended family lived. He said at the time, as someone who is rapping in both English and Chinese, I wanted to really understand what life there was about. So I sat down today with Bohan and talked about his cultural identity, his creative process, his influences, the differences between hip-hop in China and in America, the issue of cultural appropriation, and what we can expect from him in 2021. So my name is Bohan Phoenix. Uh, I was born in Hubei, China, but I moved to the States when I was 11. And currently, I just left uh, New York after being there for 10 years and can't do I can't do the cold anymore so I officially have landed in California I mean oh, LA officially now. I didn't know it was a permanent relocation oh yeah I drove across the country with all my stuff and I'm here oh shit so it's gonna be sunny day Bohan from now yeah yeah vibes gonna change how have you been spending your time for the last or I guess just since the pandemic so the pandemic hit the states uh in March 2020 um and I pretty much was in Brooklyn all of 2020. And, um, you know, one interesting thing was that I was such a homebody before the pandemic that when the pandemic hit, I I didn't have too much of a hard time transitioning to staying home every day. <laughs> but, it did, but it did make me miss being able to be out and about in New York, which is kind of like a big part of New York, you know. And... Um, so a lot more music, made a lot more music in 2020. Um, I actually started uh, streaming um, on Twitch as well. Just kind of engaging with people in a different way than the traditional post a photo and wait for them to like and comment, you know. So yeah, been doing some music and other stuff. Do you think that the pandemics altered or affected your creative process, like your writing process or your recording process? Yeah, I think, you know, I think um, <clears throat> I the pandemic definitely have affected the music in a certain way. I can't tell if it's like in the creative side, but, you know, I feel like I'm so used to like doing music and then going on tour and then like getting sick of those songs and then making new music and then doing that way. But that cycle now has obviously stopped. So now I'm just sitting on songs for a long time, you know, and a lot of them are not getting released. Um, and it's definitely a weird, um, a weird situation where the best part of making music, which is performing on stage and having that dialogue live with people is now taken away. So, um, you know, it's definitely affected me in one way or another, but I feel like it's too soon to tell, you know? Yeah. I think it's tough too, because especially for hip hop, so much of the energy in the music really live shows just really retain that energy well i think more than other genres i feel like there's some artists that love touring and then there's some artists that are just studio artists and because hip-hop is so much about community it works so well in a live setting 
So I'm sure it's really hard um, as a rapper to not be able to do shows. Do you think that that's your favorite part when it comes to being an artist playing shows? Hey, that's definitely okay. So performing is definitely like top one or top two things. Another thing is just like making something. Uh, I'm sure you know the feeling making something and you know it's dope and you're just like oof you know that's like like not like before even putting it out there and having people who never do this who can never do this in their life destroy it or like tear it apart in like five seconds before you even let it out into the world just yourself you know like ooh, you know I got yeah. something here the best feeling in the world in life for me is when you spend the whole day in your room you don't see anyone you don't talk to anyone you go airplane mode and you make something you really you're really proud of you feel like a fucking god because you made something out of nothing no one's even heard this but you've just been sitting on you this you feel gold. like a god that's that's you, you put it you put it perfectly yeah i miss that feeling for sure okay um who are your biggest influences it both in music and outside of music so it can be a filmmaker or i don't know even. um so you know started off music was uh i got into music um because I was learning English by watching movies. And so I got into music through the story of Eminem with A-Mile. So I got into music in the storytelling genre, uh, hip-hop-wise. So after that, after Eminem, it was whoever Eminem was talking about in his songs. Tupac, Daddy Kane, you know, all of all of the ones that he was listening to. So Eminem was definitely a big influence early in the days. Um, and then later on... I would say musically, style-wise, that kind of, you know, uh, have made me um, get excited about music again was D'Angelo. Just more like soul, neo soul, just more, yeah, more like rhythm and feeling-based music. Um, and, uh, you know, because words could be so super, 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 superfluous and... Um, when my friend put me on D'Angelo back in like 2013, I was like, wow, I have never felt this way before listening to music. And um, so that was like a big moment when I shifted from like a very like wordy metaphor punchline trying to impress people, lyrical rapper to just like, let me just try to dial in on the mood and the vibe, you know. But, you know, I think I think a lot of it requires the audience being able to appreciate that. And... Um, and you know, I think that's the sometimes some, sometimes the difficult part. Do you think that it's different how people appreciate music in China versus in America? Oh, absolutely. When I went to China to perform for the first time in 2015, it blew my mind. I didn't expect the amount of excitement around hip hop music in a country that was pretty, you know, heavy on just self-discipline and strictness and all these, you know, non-hip-hop values. So 2016, I went back again twice. And in 2017, I made, I moved back. And in 2017, when I moved back, it also happened to be the same year that Rap of China blew up. Being in China two years before Rap of China and then being in China during Rap of China and then being in China two years after Rap of China was just such a big difference. You know, like I went from... Before, like, for example, like, before I signed Higher Brothers to ADA Horizon, me and Higher Brothers, and before the show happened, me and Higher Brothers and Hari Kiri couldn't sell 300 tickets in 2016. In 2017, because the show, a TV show, blew up the popularity of the genre, 
In 2017, not even a, a full year later, we, ha- we were doing 1,200, 1,300 tickets, you know? And it was purely because so many kids just wanted to come out to be part of this new thing that was hip- Shiha Hip Hop, you know? So what I noticed, you know, that carried over in a lot of the Chinese fans is the idol culture is so strong in China that for them, it's the focus is less on the music uh, most of the time, and it's more on chasing like this idol and this star, you know. Um, but there obviously are a lot of uh, listeners and audiences who are very much focused in the music, you know. Um, but that is the majority, I would say, in the West. You know, people in the West majority are more bougie with the music they listen to. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, so-and-so. Just like how we were talking about D'Angelo. And, um, but yeah, in the in the East, it's more, you know, uh, celebrity. It's more distanced, you know, i say. Even way before Rap of China in 2007, I remember growing up in Hong Kong and like idol culture here is, it's really what drives people's consumption of art and music. Even, I guess, even in the 90s, it's something that's been... I mean, there's also idol culture in the U.S. too. It, it just sure. feels less extreme. And people, in general, I found that my friends that have come from Asia to the U.S., like, in their primary school, secondary school education, you don't learn to appreciate music the way that my friends in America do. Yeah, um, I mean, like, you know, I just think, in you know, it's like where we grew up in Asia, it's just, it's just not a important thing at all in our parents' life, you know, in, our, in, so, yeah. in the, you know, in the previous generation's life. So, you know, I, I think it's like, I think, I think, I, I think you guys in Hong Kong and people in Taiwan actually had it, have it kind of, you know, different in a sense because, you know, in China, like it was, it wasn't until recent years where the whole idea of like being an individual Pursue your dreams. Do whatever you want. It, like it's like a new idea, you know. Like pre prior to like my generation, nobody was saying that, you know. Ain't nobody saying like, yo, just do. Yeah, you just work for exactly. your family and your community. Be happy and... to get a job, whatever job. Yeah, you know, just be happy, you know. Like, so um, I think I think the idol culture might die down as this individualism spreads because I mean, over here in America, everybody's you know who's and even not a who's not trying to be a public figure or anything, you know, treats himself like a celebrity on Instagram. You know, what I'm saying everybody's like, "Man, fuck you guys!" Like I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm good. You know, so it's it's so interesting how like these really deep rooted societal differences, like collectivism, individualism, you see it everywhere, yeah. even in how people consume music on a day to day basis. Yeah. Who are your favorite rappers from China? Wow. My favorite rappers from China, or or even even from the di- Chinese diaspora. Right, right, from the Chinese diaspora. You know, gotta shout out MC Jin just because hey. he is just even to this day just te- Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong. You know, technically he's just like was one of the nicest. You know, and um and I gotta shout out to him in another sense because uh, even when as even as I started to like hip hop music. Uh, it wasn't until that I found clips of him on YouTube that I realized it, could, it was possible, you know, for someone else to do it outside the black and white realm, the Spanish realm. And um, and this was like MySpace era. So I remember hitting him up in MySpace, no response, obviously, you know, like, but then years later, 
after he did his stint, did his whole thing in Hong Kong, and he had a kid and moved back to uh, China, and he was like mad religious, you know, in that time, and he had this thing called No Fan Zone at at Gmail, Jin at NoFanZone.com. So he was replying to everybody's emails, basically, you know, because God has showed him like something I don't know, like, and he had a new perspective, and I sent him, and I caught that. And I was like, this is my chance, you know? And I sent him an email with, like, some music I was making. I was 17 at the time, freshman year at NYU. And he actually got back to me. And he took me to Chinatown. We got bubble tea. He took me to church with his family. You know, even though we never really connected too much on the music, he actually did uh, uh, record a verse for a song that I did for my mother. Um... I know it's it was mad it was, and you know so in a way like man I gotta shout out to him because not only did he inspire me to keep pursuing like this hobby that I had at the time, he also reaffirmed it and gave me more confidence by just you know what I'm saying like giving me his time of the day you know like I was like man like if I wasn't if I didn't have any potential he wouldn't even be fucking with me you know like but I don't know but for whatever reason he decided to connect with me at the time it uh. It was a confident boost. And um, so, Jen, um, you know, uh, I love I love Cole. I know I'm supposed to say Chinese rappers, but he's Jap- you know, Japanese rapper Cole. I love him. Uh, Doughboy. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm more I'm more a fan of, like, Doughboy's, like, production and just his whole vibe more than his raps. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, because I think he's just so talented in so many ways, you know. And, uh, and yeah, and there's so I mean, there's so many people doing the thing, you know. And of course, Bohan Phoenix, you know. So. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> I guess I'm sure you've talked about this in like other podcasts and interviews, yeah. but I really want to talk about kind of the history. Like hip hop in China is so new. Well, it's been around like since the '90s, sure. but like it's it coming into the mainstream is so, so new. new. And I think hip hop in Asia, I mean, owes everything to Black culture, mm-hmm. but it's 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 so fascinating that it started from the rap China, like essentially a game mm-hmm. show in China. That's what made it popular mm-hmm. there. And, you know, you see Chinese kids wearing dreads for the first time in like 2017 on the TV. Mm-hmm. And to you, was it to someone who's grown up in America who understands the the heavy history of hip hop? Was it confusing and conflicting for you to see Chinese kids in dreads and <laughs> think like, is that cultural appropriation? Right. Like, what is and what isn't? Is it appreciation? Do you find yourself conflicted at times, too, about your own music or the message that you're putting out at your shows in China? Yeah, okay. So, uh, man, that's a great question. Because, like you said, I had no idea what to think when I first met um, Higher Brothers in 2016 and seen Dreads on my sway. I was like, whoa. I ain't, I didn't know our hair could do that, you know. And he was telling me he researched it on YouTube, what type of you know things to put in it to make sure it stays locked. You know, I was like, that's fascinating that you liked it so much that you went and figured it out. You know, just as y'all, just as they did with the music, with the firewall and everything, they still scaled it with VPN, figured out how to produce. I mean, Masuel was making beats and editing the videos in the early days. A lot of people don't know this, but a lot of their early videos, 7-Eleven, all those, he was editing them himself, you know. So, to answer your question, yes, in the beginning, I was completely turned off because I come from such a 
purest background, you know, with Eminem, with Pac, like, and with being in New York, like, just being very proud to have spent so much time uh, roaming the streets where hip-hop was born in. And, I, and then I'm in China, and then all these cats are making money hand over fists, and they don't know nothing about nothing. Yet they dress the part, talk the part, gang-gang, like, everything they do... You know, so in the beginning, I was like, man, this is this is weird, man. You know, like, and then, uh, you know, as I spend more time in China, as I start to try to understand it from more than just a frustration point of view, you know, I was like, let me try and understand what's happening here. And, you know, I, I think, and I've obviously, people have asked me the culture appropriation, culture appropriation question before, and... I always just say it's really the intentions, you know, like, because someone who don't know me at all, looking at me rap, that could be their first instinct. Oh, this kid's culture appropriating. Look at him, you know what I mean? Like, and so how, like, but how do I, you know what I'm saying? But like people who know me knows that, like, oh yeah, Bohan like learned English through this music. And he like, this is, you know, this is way he found, has how he found his, like people, if you know me, so you know, I was like, okay, let me take a step back. All right, these kids, they're born and raised in China, a place that where a lot of the stuff is not never talked about, you know what I mean? Like, even within its own culture. You know, so if somebody saw an NBA player, like, like for example, I'll use Masue as an example. He th- heard hip-hop music through, uh, uh, NBA, through watching basketball games. You know what I'm saying, and and then like and then he was such a fan of Usher at the time. He was he would wear the a white Air Forces with the blue jeans. You know like, and you know and I I had asked them the question. They're like, man, we're just a fan. We're just such a fan. And to me, music is a way of self expression, right? So if if it's a way of self expression, it's kind of hard to say who can or cannot do it. It's like if a black person. Really, it's just screw up on just grew up on martial art movie, movies and just love it so much, you know. But didn't really speak Chinese and doesn't really have a lot of Chinese friends. But you know, want to do martial arts? Like, can I be like, nah, you can't? Yeah, you, and like connected exactly. to it. He feels whatever reason it is. He feels like he, that's his thing. What am I gonna do? Like, listen, nah, you can't do martial arts until you tell me who were the you know the Wong Fei homes. I you need you need to tell me all of that, you know, like so. So for me, intentions is so heavy. Like if you're trying to do, if you're trying to do this, get some dreads because you know dreads will get your attention. You're trying to drop the N word in your tracks because you know that shit. You know, man, then that's so weak. You know, and I think a lot of the times we see right through those. You know, but there are definitely just so many people around the world that have been affected by hip hop music in the most positive, most wholesome way. You know. That um, until you get to know the person, it's really hard to just be like, man, so and so is just culture appropriating, you know, like, because I think we do live in an era that's so we we feel very woke and we feel like the right thing to do is to criticize and call things out, and it is, but at the same time, if you aren't offering solutions and just like just getting high off calling people out, um, I don't know if it's productive, you know, like so. But it's 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 a very that's just my opinion and it's a very heavy it's a very loaded question that you ask so that's just my opinion for people listening. Yeah, you know? I think about that all the time because I mean, 
like all music comes from black mm-hmm. music and i think it's also just a matter of well not just but a good lens to look at everything through is who's profiting off right. of it. like if you're making if you're making hella money off of pretending to be someone you're yeah. not and you're not really connected to it but you know that there's like a fan you know you can make money off yeah. of it then i think that's way more sinister than like some random kid who in china yeah. who just like really felt connection with hip hop exactly wanted to get dreads and like has to learn still the culture exactly. and the the history it comes from but it's that like, kid in china that random kid in china like you're, as you're talking about is doing it out of a like ignorance that's just um that's inherited you know while like the first hype you're talking about is like plotted and like contemplated you know like yeah yeah and you know to finish that to finish your point to finish your question and to finish my point there like you know i think it's um when you partake you know, in another culture, because a lot of people like to call it Chinese hip hop, Chinese rap. Mm, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, even if you are rapping in all Chinese and you're Chinese, that's still hip hop. It's still black art form. It's like if that black person just be like, "This is Black Shaolin now," because I'm black. You know, like. So I think I think a lot of a lot of of it, you know, is intentions and also just respect. And if the respect means if you're a rapper, then do some research on where it came from. And so be it, you know? That's like, that's light stuff. You yeah. Know? Giving credit where it's due, it's the least, it's the absolute least we can do. And if you're making, and if you're making money off this, like Cheryl said, if you're making money off this, you know, give back a little bit. So, yeah, give back a little bit. Well, what are, what are then, other than talking to people around yeah. it, what do you think, like, other than rappers, what about labels and companies yeah. um, that profit off of, hip-hop culture how do you think that they can give back or like how do you think the hip-hop community in asia can improve as allies well so you know i actually thought about this very heavily back in june and july when uh when the george floyd uh murder happened and i was trying to i had hit up so many of my personal friends in the rap industry in in china ones that are making bank you know i'm saying like be like yo listen like it's not only a good look for you to do this, you know, but it's also just like a good thing that you should be doing, you know. And that's when I realized a lot of them don't ever need to be in a place where the political correct way or it, it needs to be happen for them to make money. Matter of fact, they make all of their money in a place where black people don't even exist, you know. And black people has yeah, no say yeah, in exactly. it. So as I was getting frustrated, I realized it's like ideology thing like they can't understand why i'm out here posting all these stuff and i can't understand why they don't care at all you know it's just pure ideology and um you know what i think should be done obviously is you know if rap of china is each episode is two hours long in the beginning or end of it, spend 15, 20 minutes talking about hip-hop. I don't know. Like, I feel like it'd be interesting for listen for viewers, too, you know, to be like, where did this thing come from? You know, like, um, it'd be interesting to see that, you know, they organize a situation where the winners of the shows, you know, like... Or like I don't know, just donate. I don't know. It's it's and you know, like me sitting us sitting here talking it out loud sounds so stupid because it's such obvious things. Mm-hmm. And it's like what should they do? Uh, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know. Um, and uh, I remember uh, specifically addressing Eddie Horizon and then them 
you know, hitting back and being like, yeah, like we're, we're, you know, we're going to do these things with so-and-so in the black community, blah, 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 you know? And, um, and, you know, it's one thing, you know, a lot of people were seeing that and they were like, oh, someone is saying something that we didn't say. But a lot of people are like, why are you, you're Chinese, they're Asian, why are you doing this? You know, I'm like, I'm like, because I fucking care about the fact that we're Asian and I want to be able to keep doing this. You know, like if we don't hold each other in check, like if you're my best friend and you have a drinking problem and I don't tell you, am, am I always, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it's like, it's, if we don't hold each other accountable when we've seen each other fuck up, no one, everyone else is just gonna, you know, so. Yeah, I also think it's really important to exactly like have discussions about even th- even though some of the things that we're talking about is like so obvious yeah. but i think i don't know i'm sure there are listeners out there because it's you know it's also like i grew up in hong yeah. kong but it's a privilege like i'm so privileged to have gone abroad and right. like seen the world in a different way and then come back and for me to just criticize people and not really understand where they're coming yeah. from i think was a little too simplistic and now that but it was I've out of just, a good intention though but it was out of a good intention, I'm sure. That's the thing, you know. For people that have seen both sides, I think it's important for them to give context and, like, kind of be the middle person in explaining, yeah. like, look, these are the things that you should be aware of, yeah. what you shouldn't say and what you should say and what you should try to learn more about. And then for the people in the West, you should think about, actually, like, it's not that sinister all the time. Sometimes it is. Right. The West also has the responsibility to learn about why it's so big in China yeah. now. Not that they should excuse anything, but it's important to know the context sure. before and, and then discuss it before just condemning everything. It's like, this is good, this is you're bad. Right. No, you're right. I mean, that's two points that I, I didn't think about. One is that, you know, that the West should... Uh, before condemning or criticizing should understand how this music got out there in the first place, you know, and understand the power of it. It wasn't man behind it. It was the power of the music, you know, like, uh, and another thing that you said that was really on point was that you're right. It's not that obvious to a lot of people. Maybe it is to us because we've been thinking about it. We've talked about it within the circles of our people, but you're right. For a lot of listeners or even artists in Asia, they might never have had a conversation like this. And that's why they never had any incentive or idea of how to help or what to do, you know. So shout out to Cheryl, you know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, a year ago, I was the person thinking like, damn, like these people really don't know shit about the history behind hip hop. And right. like they're so dismissive <clears throat> of the struggle. And then and then and then I realized, you know, like these people haven't had the yeah. same like experiences we're that I have and it's not fair like we're, we're yeah. blessed yeah. you know like so, so yeah, like again like I had the same reaction as you you know like ugh 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 everywhere I go ugh you know like turn me off and then I realized damn what do I look like you know I look like a fool out here being intolerant being like mad judgmental you know like and i feel like if i truly feel like i have something to offer and something to teach these guys i should be offering solutions and not being just here like do you find that your cultural identity often tokenized by like press or labels in america that discover your music do you find that they always got to make sure everyone knows that you're chinese and that therefore you're making chinese Mm. hip-hop um another great question wow other great questions um so when i first started rapping 
and making songs obviously was all in English. Everything starts with imitation, you know, like so I was just trying to impress people and um and um you know, I would send songs to Fader, Hypees, whatever, and no one cared. You know? And then twenty fifteen when I went to China, I and I started performing in China, I started adding some Chinese to my music, adding some different instrumentations to my music. That's when blogs started writing about it. You know, they're like, oh, bilingual rapper, oh, Chinese, you know, like, and I, and it was like a great feeling. I mean, because you chase all these validations, you know, even though you shouldn't, but you chase all these validations all these years and you finally get it. And you're like, I found my sound. That's right. I'm a oriental trap, blah, 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 whatever, you know, like, <laughs> call me whatever, you know, like, whatever, like, yeah. you know, get me out there, you know. And then with the luxury of people finding out about you and people actually liking you, then you start being bougie. You start like, wait a second, don't call me a Chinese rapper. Like, I'm just a rapper, you know? Like, don't do that to me. Don't box me. You don't, when ASAP puts a song out or whoever that's black, you're not like black rapper so-and-so, you know? Like, so it, it went from that and then back to like, you know what? Actually, like, if labeling me or exoticizing me can get people to listen to my music, I'm going to use that platform, you know, in the end for my own benefit, you know, like, and correct whatever misconception. Um, but in terms of, like, talking about it in my music, again, I got into hip-hop in such a narrative and storytelling way that talking about who I am, where I'm from, what I'm about, my identity, which is natural to me, you know, it was, like, the only thing that I kind of, like, really knew how to do you know like all my like fun songs that i try to make i never perform because i feel like a fraud doing it half the time you know because i'm like i just want to be sad boy and talk about sad things you know um but uh yeah so the whole identity thing is definitely a double-edged sword in that sense because one sense yeah you get boxed in for sure you know and the way that far east movement took off for fly like g6 they weren't doing it from the we're asian you know i'm asian like in route you know but i think it's in a time where asian people around the world are starting to find a pride that they never have had before you know like for whatever reason at least i didn't and the people around me who are asian i know they didn't until recently you know in the last half five years or so and I think it's a great time for us to share our stories because that is the only thing that's going to pass our stories if we as if we share it, you know. I like, think maybe so. five to ten years ago, if you're labeled, you know, if you're an up up and coming artist and you're everyone has to point out that you're Asian, mm -hmm. it's it's really alienating. But I think now in twenty twenty one there's a sense of solidarity. Yeah. Like I, I like I have I have a friend. I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. I have a friend. I have a friend who grew up in the states who's half white, half Asian, and I've known him for a long time. And he never fucked with the fact that he's Asian. You know, what I mean, he never. You know, he like, but in the last few years, you know, he started like speaking some Chinese. He started, you know, he added Chinese to his name next to Instagram. You know, I'm like, I see you, man. I see you. You know, but that's great. You know, like, like I said, that's a great thing. Do you feel like because of um? Well, because your identity makes you feel a burden to represent people that look like you. Do you feel do you feel like more careful with the things that you say because you want to be relatable or you want to reach an audience? Um, you know, I definitely think about 
the audience back in Asia just because most of my my music is in English, you know, and because my route is storytelling route, it is almost like speaking gibberish to people, you know, like like they don't understand. Like, they don't understand my story if I'm telling it in English, you know? So I think about that all the time. Um, but in terms of, like, do I feel um, a pressure to... A uh, responsibility to represent only when I'm on social media too much, you know? And then, like, I start seeing people do stuff, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be doing that too, you know? Like, um... You know, I do think that every person, musician, artist or not, has a responsibility for the better bettering of humankind. You know, um, as an artist, sure, some people will say that as an artist, because you have a platform, you have even more of a responsibility. But, you know, I think um, the more you better oneself, the more you can eradicate the hate and eradicate the intolerance from your heart the more you can better understand the next person and inspire that same reaction in them when they get frustrated with you or get short with you and you treat them with love and kindness back and they're like, oh shit. You know, like, damn, I that shit humbled me. You know what I mean? Like, it's for me, like, when I when I, when I I lose my cool, when I whatever, like, get short with people and they just, like, hit me back with, like, just patience and understanding. And I'm like, damn, I need to grow up. I need to learn. You know, like, so... I do feel responsibility because, like, man, I'm a human being. I see people suffering, and I, I care about that. But, um, you know, I don't want to uh, overindulge in self-righteousness with my music because I think sometimes just using plain voice and being out and about is better than, you know, making a song about it, you know? Like, it's different if I was, like, you know, like Eminem popularity, and if I made a song about it, and like it will, you know, say really get out there, you know. But I think uh, people like to see just you being a person out. Well, there back to the point earlier. Do you feel a strong connection to an Asian or Asian American audience? Mm -hmm. Like when you're back in China, do you feel? I guess you you were kind of talking about it, but yeah. I just wanted to ask you to explain a little further, yeah. like when you sing your songs that have more. Mandarin in Chinese mm -hmm. uh, in China does that, that does that affect you know your performance on stage when you know who your audience is yeah and what they're responding to definitely um, I uh, man I always psych myself out in China because you know I'm like like it's in the states again like I feel like people understand my style a little better you know. Cause I'm not on stage with the blings. I'm not like on a stage that's 20 feet away from the first line of the crowd. You know, like I'm more, I'm like way more intimate. Like when I do festivals, like I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. Festivals are different, but like, I don't know. For me, I enjoy performing in the States more because there is more of a dialogue even in between songs when I'm just bullshitting and joking around, you know, like my humor is, I have, I'm, I'm funnier in English, <laughs> you know, like I just don't know. I just don't know the Chinese culture and the humor and all that as, as well as I, I would like to, you know? So when I'm in China and I'm performing, it's, um, it definitely sometimes feel like, let me just get this done. You know, like, that sounds bad, but a lot of times that's kind of how it feels, especially when, 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I remember being super bummed out performing all the strawberry festivals because, you know, I will get like a pretty good set time. And like, by the time I get on, there'll be a great crowd of people and the photos look nice. But they're there for like the last person, you know, they're there for like the headliner that's like a TT or like a Mashuka or like, you know, like a very you know, idol-like person, you know, and they're like, they don't care that you're there, you know, and like, you're like, and you're on stage, and you're just like, this sucks, like, even though I'm getting paid, fuck this, blah, 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 and then I remember, like, my friend, she was at one of my shows, and she saw that, and I came off stage, she goes, listen, you have to respect yourself, you have to respect what you do, you have to go on stage and respect the fact that this is what, this is your craft, you have to perform well just because this is what you do, you know, I was like, fuck, you're right, you know, like, and like, cause the whole time I did that whole 45 minute set, I didn't say nothing to the crowd, I did my songs, I came off, you know, like, and, um, yeah, so that was very interesting. What's your favorite song by yourself? Um, uh, my favorite song by myself is probably Three Days in Chengdu. Three Days in Chengdu. Three Days in Chengdu. Yeah. Um, what are you, okay, two last yeah. questions, um. First one is, what's your relationship with social media? My relationship with social media is one of um, reluctance. Uh, I use social media because it's just a very valuable tool. But I, I'm very, sh I'm very shy about how I look sometimes. You know, like and yeah, talking into a, a phone sometimes can be very um hard for me and so social media oftentimes comes as like a burden you know when i have to use it um and then on top outside of me using it i'm just on it more than i should you know um i feel that relatable you know what i'm saying and it's like all these like subconscious stuff like comparing just starts happening even though you're not actively yep. doing it you know um so you know, but I'm definitely trying to find a good balance. I'm definitely trying to find a way to use them more efficiently along with what I do. You know, like the TikToks. I mean, yeah. like, I, I, I need to just sit down and just figure out how to make some TikTok videos. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so yeah. it's stuff like that, really, that's, um, that I think about with social media. I feel that. I honestly think about it all the time. Like, it's so it's so strange because I feel like, for example, when my MySpace first started or, like, during the the golden sure. era of SoundCloud. Yeah. All these platforms were so so great because it democratized, it democratized um, the music mm. scene and, and the music industry. Like anyone could record in their laptop, put it up there, you know, accidentally or people follow you and start. That's where you, you have your fans at the beginning. And then like a few years later, business people catch up like business people that don't even really know much about music right. but they know they can profit off of it and the platform just like becomes this evil machine it's, it's and like about instagram then. like I, I feel like yeah it's about yeah. numbers and like algorithms yeah. are designed to make you feel competitive yeah. with your peers when you should be supporting them uh, and then like it's it's just and then it affects like what goes into your pocket yeah. and it's, I think it's really stressful yeah. in the age of Instagram because I log in and I look at other people and you're like, you tell yourself, oh, I, I respect these people. I really want to support them. And then an hour later, you're like, damn, like, I was not made for yeah. this. Like I, 
I didn't make anything that I liked in the past two hours. Like I'm a piece of shit. And I think that that I don't know. I I, I have so many questions about artists these days that I I find that everyone actually does feel the same yeah. way, even though they're the people that you're envious exactly. of when you log exactly. in. That's yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, as I, you know, I'm sure like some people listening, you know, they'll be like, oh, I don't know, boy, you don't look shy on social media at all. You know, like, like, you know, shit like yeah. that. I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I think we just got to find a balance. And um, yeah, you know. I th- I think also with technology, it's always about the artists find a space mm. to thrive and then. You know, Yo, that's a good point you made earlier. People though. catch I never up. Thought about it. It's like, yeah, the or- the the earlier apps, they were just like fucking disrupting shit. You know, they were I mean? amazing. They were, they they were had a purpose, like utopia you know? for creatives. Yeah, yeah. and they like, built a community. The and then when companies catch up, are you in Clubhouse? I mean, people have invited me. I like drop in and I like, hear people just talking, like <laughs> giving advices and shit. I'm I like, mean, there, okay, there's I'm out. some there's some pretty fascinating rooms. Sure. That's the other thing. Like Clubhouse is pretty new, and I've been on a couple of rooms that I that it's just like a community of real people talking about real issues right. and like it doesn't feel like technology's interfering it feels like it's helping right and i feel like for our entire lives it's probably just gonna be like new technology artists come to it artists thrive and then and then it it just like turns into this ugly business thing yeah. and then artists try to find a new thing yeah. and it's always like it's like playing catch up. yeah that's kind of fun okay last question what can we expect from you in 2021 both the music and outside of music. Any moves? I mean, you just moved to the West Coast. You're a new guy now. New guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, feeling great in the sun. Wow. It's like, it's just men- mentally. Um, but 2021, um, definitely trying to put out my first album, full-length album. Hey, um, when can we expect that? Man, I mean, that should have came out 2020. Secret. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, uh, second half of this year for sure. Um, it's uh, all live. It's a live instrumental band uh, of an album, and um, you know, at, now that I'm trying to, I, I'm I'm trying to make music that's closer towards the stuff that I personally enjoy, not just because mm-hmm. I got into rap, got into music through rap and hip hop 14 years ago, and I'm I have to do the same exact thing, you know, like so. I'm starting to I'm starting to realize that, um, yeah, I could be more fluid and have more fun with what I want to do. So that that was, so that'll be the new album. Mm-hmm. Is the album mixed, mastered? So it's eight out of ten songs done. What's the stage? Eight out of ten songs. Okay. Done, yeah, but eight out of ten songs have been done for a long time now. So <laughs> <laughs> we keep so we keep like swapping okay, well. songs out. You know, because that's the thing. You sit on stuff and yeah. then you're like, oh, that's not that good anymore. You know, like I was, I was like, fucked up. I was drunk, and that's why that song sounded good. You know, so. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, twenty twenty one will get it out. Uh, that's the music, and um, and then uh, another thing that I hope to achieve by twenty twenty one is to make it back to China and see my family because since moving here in two thousand three, this is the longest time I haven't seen my family. You know, so. Um, yeah. When was the last time you saw them? I saw them since 2013. 20 no no, uh, so 2003 I moved here in the states and then I go back about two to three times every year, um, oh, and I yeah, haven't yeah. been back since. 
Well, I haven't been back since October of 2019. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's... That's a long that's time. A long time. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't... Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the wrap. Thank you so much, Bohan, for your time today. And to everyone out there who's listening, don't forget to go back to our website to read the full feature on Bohan, who's, if you don't know by now, our very first cover star. Yay, thanks for having me. Uh, again, my name is Bohan Phoenix. Shout out Lifted, shout out Cheryl, shout out the homie Sean. And um, yeah, um, happy 2021, everybody. <laughs>